This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 147. I am here with Ashley Lemieux. everybody. I'm Becky Higgins. And with me is my friend and co-host, Becky Proudfit. Hello, hello. Hello. And we are thrilled that we get to have Ashley Lemieux in this episode and to share her with you guys. She is a phenomenal human being, a very talented writer, author, just has her new book is out now. I am here. Can I just say one of my most favorite things yep. about the podcast is we get sent advanced copies of books. So mm-hmm. we get to read them mm-hmm. early. Mm-hmm. I was so, so, so excited to get this book and to dive in well, and it did not disappoint. No, it did not disappoint at all. And what's really cool is now that it is out after we had read it and after we had recorded with Ashley, it's really fun to see Ashley share in her stories, people's excitement and yeah. them receiving the book and reading it. And, um, we're just so proud of her. So excited. Um, something I had to share with you back. You're, okay. you're going to love this. You ready? Okay. So, you know, speaking of Ashley and speaking of really wonderful women that we get to associate with. We have a couple of friends who are fellow podcasters, Rachel Nielsen and Miranda Anderson. Mm-hmm. They each have their own podcast, yes. right? And I, um, I saw Rachel share recently about something about this little cactus that Miranda had. And I was like, oh, I haven't listened to Rachel's podcast in a while. I'm t- definitely feeling prompted. I'm going to listen to yeah. that episode. So I listened to this episode recently. Um, we will link to it in the show notes because now I'm sharing about it. But Rachel shares and, sorry, Rachel and Miranda talk about this little $2 cactus that Miranda had purchased Mm, at Costco. mm -hmm, You know what I'm talking about? So she got this $2 cactus at, not Costco, at Ikea, and it just wasn't growing. It wasn't really flourishing, and it kind of dawned on her to put it in a bigger pot. And long story short, the the cactus, like, exploded. Like, it just, like... truly took off. Yeah. It was, it had that space to grow. Right. Mm -hmm, And of course mm -hmm. they tie that into the life analogy. So what's funny about the timing of me listening to that and kind of always in this mindset of like develop self-development and progress and all the things that that you and I care about. Um, I had those little baby succulents that I've been receiving from you every month because of that subscription birthday gift that you gave me. Succulent of the month club. (laughs) I get this little baby succulent in the mail every month and I've just been keeping them in their little temporary pots Mm -hmm. all this time because I've been trying to find like the perfect pot to put them all in and whatever. Well, meanwhile, I find these this trio of pots and I was going to put like three little baby succulents per pot because Mm -hmm. of the size that it was. And then I listened to that episode and I was like, oh no. No, 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 mm-hmm, not three mm-hmm. little succulents in each pot, one succulent. I'm going to give that baby all the space it needs to just grow and flourish because I was so inspired by That's the analogy. So cool. Isn't that so fun? So I wanted you to know that those baby succulents have a new home. They have been <laughs> potted. They have space to grow. And you better believe I took before pictures and you better believe I'm sharing this on my social media Yeah, because I want to see what happens. But isn't that just a great analogy? Like we need space to grow, Mm, right? So many applications. I think about that and how we parent our kids and our marriages and for ourselves. There's just universal application across the board Mm -hmm. with anything. Sometimes what we really need is just a little availability. That's right. Availability and space. And I think that's one thing that Ashley does so well is she helps the reader. She helps us to feel more empowered about what we need in our life to be able to, to soar, to grow, to heal, to progress. She's just fantastic. And we can't wait to share her with you guys. But first let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. 
raise your hand if you pretty much loathe swimsuit shopping. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I've been known to procrastinate buying swimsuits in the past until literally like seriously hours before I needed it. I could never find what I wanted. And so at the last minute, I would end up spending way too much money on swimsuits I didn't even feel great in. We know firsthand that it can be a challenge to find swimsuits that are both trendy and modest and that help you feel awesome when you'd otherwise be feeling a little mm, insecure, maybe. (laughs) We have also learned that when you find a suit you love, you need to seize the day so that you are prepared for any adventure. Ladies, we are in love with the amazing Rad Swim brand because of their swimwear options. We are checking all the boxes on trend. Check. Modest. Check. Affordable. Check, check. And there is something for the whole family. This is the first swimsuit brand that every member of my family has been equally thrilled about. And that makes my job as family shopper a lot easier. Rad is giving our listeners a 10% discount on anything and everything in their shop. So check them out at radswim.com and use the code Becky10 at checkout. I'm holding in my hand a copy of I Am Here, The Journey from Fear to Freedom. And Ashley, as I'm holding this book, I'm remembering so many times and reading us that I thought, oh yeah, somebody needed that. Oh yeah, somebody's going to feel that. Oh, ooh, that one was for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A hundred percent. Yeah. So Ashley, welcome to Cultivate a Good Life. We're so glad that you're with us. My goodness. Thank you so much for having me today. It is an honor to be with you. We're grateful for the influence that you have on us and so many people. And it is such an honor to have read your book even before we're recording with you, before the book officially launches at the time of recording. And I know and feel, both of us do, the impact, the profound impact this book is going to have on so many people. So it's just an honor to have this conversation about it. And we're excited to introduce you also to people who are maybe a little less familiar with you. So who's Ashley Lemieux? What have you been up to? Oh my goodness. What a, what a big question. Uh, (laughs) I, first and foremost, I'm a writer. I'm an author. That's, it brings me to life. It always has since I was little. Mm -hmm. And this is my second book. My first book was Born to Shine and now I am here. Um, Has come out and so excited to get these words into the hands of women who need it. About 10 years ago, I entered into the online space because of my love for writing. And I created an online community to help really give tools and resources to help women feel supported while they're going after their dreams and and to to help them feel like they are a part of a community that's cheering them on. Mm-hmm. So I started my company called The Shine Project. From there, we also started a product-based business where we employed first-generation college students to hand-make jewelry. Who, so cool. Yeah, it was that was really fun. Um, made a lot of impact. We were selling the jewelry all around the world uh, to women who were reading, who, who were a part of my online community, but also in large trade shows and um, to places like Hallmark. And and that was that was cool. Um during that time in our personal life, we also had become permanent guardians to two kids who we raised for over half their lives. And then after having them for four years, we experienced a very unexpected contested adoption and we lost them overnight as quickly as they had come four years before that. And during that time, I I felt just buried and work became hard. It it became hard for me to know what to do next in my life. 
So I went on my own personal journey of what does healing look like? How do I find clarity again in my life? How do I know how to rebuild when everything feels like it has fallen apart? And Mm -hmm. that led me to uncover a process now that I use called clarity mapping, which has then led to me writing now this new book, I am here. And it's, it's all of those tools. So I, uh, I've, I've run the gamut of things that an entrepreneur can do, but (laughs) it, it all comes back to wanting to help women uncover their power. Mm -hmm. Which you do so well. And I just got to go back to the way you started it. Writing is your gift. There's no question Mm -hmm. about that. You can read Ashley's posts on Instagram or read one of her books and you'll be like, oh yeah, that's, that's in her blood. That's what she does. Mm -hmm. Writing is powerful. We are both a big fans of words also. And we all know and understand sitting in this room that the power of words and the power of putting articulation to what we're experiencing and navigating can be the difference between having joy and being completely miserable. And I imagine that writing this book, both books actually, but with this most recent book, I am here. I imagine that process was probably part therapy, part trauma, part all of it, right? Is what was that experience writing? I am here. No, that's exactly right. It was all of the parts. And for me, What is interesting to know is that I originally turned in the book. It was due in February of 2020. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was also pregnant. And when I turned the book in, I told my husband, I said, something feels off. I'm so excited about this book, but I feel like it's not finished. And I don't know why I feel that way. I Mm -hmm. guess we'll figure it out during the final edits. Mm -hmm. And then the following month at 16 weeks pregnant, I went septic. And that ended in the loss of our baby boy. And that, again, just buried me under so much shame and guilt and loss and grief. And and I was also very, very sick physically. Right. Uh, it took me months to, to just get out of bed again. Mm-hmm. So as I was going in and realizing, oh, here's, here's what I need to add because it's going to help a lot of women... I wrote it from such a raw place because I was still going through it that, and writing for me has always been very therapeutic. So that was happening, but I was also processing. um, So a lot of this book is not me coming from the other side of, oh, hey, I promise everything just gets better and here's the packaged perfect bow of it. It's no, this is how it might feel like when, feel like when you're in the middle of Mm -hmm. your stuff and here's what I've done to help me keep moving forward. Yeah. It almost is like when you're presenting in the first part of the book, probably that part that was, you know, turned in in that original manuscript, these tools, this clarity mapping that you're talking about is such a, a toolkit that works and it had proven to work and help you out of this place after losing your children. But then what's interesting to me in the second half of the book is kind of you going through this trauma and applying these tools you're teaching kind of in real time. I thought that was so, so impactful. One thing you say in that second half of the book that you said, time, it's a sense, I'm probably going to butcher, but time doesn't like heal all wounds. Like Mm. time is not what heals. Mm -hmm. Healing is what heals. That's right. Um, What, what kind of brought you to that knowledge and where, where did that come from? Because that struck me so profoundly is, is taking them, is helping people to understand that they have to take an active role in their healing process. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of things because I think when we go through a hard time and people want to show up for us, we don't 
always know the best way to show up for someone during their grief. I mean, we've never been taught how to go through these so hard true. things yes. in our lives. So we're just all trying to figure it out. Right. But one of the things that I often hear that has never sat well with me is, don't worry, time will heal all wounds. Time Which is heals well all your wounds. It's very well-meaning. Yeah. But the problem with that is that the more time that went on after our loss and, and in my grief... I wasn't, I wasn't experiencing that. I was like, this is actually not, this isn't right. The, mm-hmm. the distance between something that has happened and, and where you currently are, that's not what creates healing. The only way to bring healing into our lives is to physically and emotionally and spiritually do the active healing work. And that's why healing is hard. That's why healing is so hard. And I often think that we believe that healing is a return to what once was. Mm-hmm. Like we just want to fix all these pieces and put it back together to be what it used to be. But healing is learning how to move forward with, with our pain, with our experiences and allow it to still give us a beautiful life. So Mm. when I say that healing doesn't heal all wounds, but when time doesn't, sorry, when I say that time doesn't heal all wounds, but healing heals all wounds, it's because we have to actively participate in what we're doing with our time. Yeah. It's true. And you eloquently explain so much of that and share so much of your experience in the book when you speak to those principles. I am curious, do you think that time helps with healing? What's your thought on that? Because I've, I've thought about that just in my own, with my own traumatic experiences and what that looks like with time and with healing. And so with that part of the book, it was really profound for me because I had never thought of it that way because I really did believe that time was instrumental, that time did need to pass in order for me to be a little bit separated from the trauma. And yet the way you spoke to it was really profound. I'm just curious what that means for you in terms of the timing. I think that time helps depending on what we do in that time. I, I, mm. For me, that's what I keep going back through because for me, no matter how long time passes, I will never have my children back and nothing ever takes away that pain. It just, it just doesn't. Right. And so, but I know that when I put the work into it, when I, when I really am actively trying to heal and to to help those trauma parts in my life heal, then the more frequently I do it and the more consistent I am doing that, then time does help. I often say that healing isn't one just big moment, but it's constant movement forward. So I think the constant movement forward is where time can, can come Mm-hmm. into play, but we have to be making those steps every day. Yeah. I, and sometimes that movement is physical. Sometimes that movement is mental. Yeah. I kind of have this visualization that I use when I'm talking to people and talking to myself, let's be honest, dealing with trauma <laughs> is like, we have trauma and you imagine it being like an open wound, like you skin your knee, it's an open wound on your knee. I think kind of to illustrate this principle, if we like put a, put a bandaid over it, right? Put a bandaid over it. Okay. To some degree it may heal. It's, you know, when our pants brush up against it, it might not like feel as awful as it did. But the problem is, is if you don't do that work of like cleaning out the cut of really properly dressing it, real healing can't happen. And then sometimes even though the pain may dull, there still is lack of healing. And so 
And, you and know, sometimes infection. It, it, that's what I'm saying is in, mm-hmm. in, even in recent months for me, kind of uncovering some traumatic things that I did put a Band-Aid over from earlier in my life, I've had to now remove the Band-Aid, reopen mm. the wound, let it gush out, clean it out properly, and then bandage it back up again, mm. if that makes sense. Totally. And so sometimes time can be that Band-Aid, but the Band-Aid is only effective if you've cleaned out the infection. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's what I always think about with, with healing. There's a story in the book that I just, oh, like, str- you know when you're reading something and it just, like, stops you dead in your tracks oh, yeah. and you're like, rewind, I need to listen to that again. Yeah, exactly. And you were kind of explaining um, this experience you had with a trainer, your boxing trainer. Can you, can you kind of share that story and the principle that you, that you gained from it? It was so profound. Yes. So after we lost our older two kids, my husband, Mike, and I were trying to figure out what does life look like now? So we sold everything that we owned in Arizona where we had been raising our family and we moved across the country to Nashville where we didn't know anybody. And as we were trying to figure out, okay, what, what do we do now in this new city with no friends and no, we both work from home. What do we do? So Mike took up boxing and he somehow convinced me to start boxing with him. And it turned out to be the best decision for both of us ever. That's amazing. It, it, it was really great. Nothing like just punching it yes. all out on the bag <laughs> every day. It was so good for us. Yeah. And through that, we met Jared, who now is still one of Mike's, is Mike's best friend and, and has become a really big part in our life and in our healing. He started training us. And... There was this one day where, okay, so let me set the background of Jared so that this story makes a little bit more sense too. We found out about about a year into training with Jared that he had come from Vegas training some of the biggest fighters hmm. in the world. <laughs> like That's names. not intimidating at and all. No. And then here come the Lemuse. <laughs> yeah. <so>. Here we <laughs> are. Like just so, that's awesome. Lemuse and I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. So somehow he put up with us. So he's this big guy who is one of the best trainers in the world. And so we're doing mitt work one day. And if you're not familiar with boxing, which I mean, most people probably aren't because it's, a random thing to start loving. Uh, <laughs> I love it. With mitt work, that your trainer has these pads on his hands and he's doing different combinations with you where if you mess up, he's going to hit you in your face or in your stomach or wherever on your mm-hmm. body. So doing this with Jared was always a bit terrifying because I knew that if I made a misstep... You were getting hit. Uh, there I was. Yeah. Getting hit of by him. a world-class boxer. <laughs> Serious. Yeah. So it was a little bit terrifying. So there's this one day, and I kept flinching when we were doing this mitt work. And he kept getting so frustrated, and I kept flinching, and I was so afraid of being hit by him. Mm. And he just stopped, and he threw the mitts on the ground, and he said, it, Ashley, embrace the storm. He said, you're going to get hit. Why are you so terrified of getting hit? You're going to get hit. Embrace the storm. Because when you embrace the storm, what's happening right now is you're so afraid that it's just throwing you off balance. And so if I do hit you, you're going to fall on the floor. But when you embrace the storm, you know that it's coming, but you don't lose your footing. So then on your next hit back, you're really strong. Mm. 
And he kept telling me that because even still I kept flinching. But that moment was so profound for me in my personal life because it made this thing click of, wait a second, what if I stopped running from these hard things that I'm so afraid of that are going to happen anyway? Mm-hmm. And instead embrace the storm and and then be able to know what to do next because I'm not so worried about running away that I'm able to stand in my power and find clarity and then create a new path forward. And I think about that all the time still because it was such a profound moment and learning experience for me. There's something about physical experiences that are sometimes the greatest teachers Mm -hmm. who would have ever thought when Mike came home that one sweaty afternoon, (laughs) right? When he walked through the door, he's like, this was the best. And you're like, okay, really? But when he convinced you to go do it with him, I mean, could you have ever imagined somebody, a gem like Jared, first of all, becoming such an instrumental part of your lives and also to learn something that had such an impact on the way that you frame your experiences, I had no idea. And I think that that is one of the beautiful gifts that healing can bring us is a lot of times we think to ourselves, how am I possibly going to get through this? Or I do not want to go through this again. Or Mm -hmm. what if this happens? But we don't realize or understand yet that when we are in those moments, there are beautiful gifts of healing that will come for us if we are willing and open to receiving them to help us do things that we never thought that we could do. And I can't imagine our life without ever having met Jared mm-hmm. or or that whole boxing experience and what that did for us. So that's something I always try to remain open to also in my mind is I don't know how to do this yet yes. mm-hmm. because the next guidance hasn't come, but it's, it's going to. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes I think the most empowering moment is when you're in the thick of the unimaginable, of all the unimaginable things that we think we could never survive. And even if you're floundering, even if you're curled up in the ball on the floor, man, what if you could say to people, dude, you're surviving. Like for whatever that looks like, you are literally in the middle of that storm Mm -hmm. and you're, you're here. You're still here. That's right. That in and of itself is such a profound accomplishment that really is just empowering of, I survived the unimaginable. Mm -hmm. It helps you to like, like I think you talk about in the book, not just be able to like endure the slap that you know is coming from Jared, but also then to like, instead of giving your power, your strength, like your physical strength away to the fear of that slap, you then retain it and can use it to punch back. Like that for me, because I think a lot of times in my life, I have given my physical, my emotional, my spiritual strength a way to fear and it left me less empowered to come back swinging. Mm-hmm. And for me, I will like never think about it the same way ever again is I'm like, you know what, just retaining being present in the moment and with lack of fear literally is the most powerful thing I can do. Mm-hmm. That and, is incredible. And Jared wasn't your personal coach, but don't you feel like now he kind of is? I want to be slapped <laughs> by Jared. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to say it. Well, one thing that you talked about, Ashley, um, that you've mentioned several times already just in this conversation and of course throughout the book is that part of being present, this, this message of being here, I am, this is where I am, everything that's built up to this point and where I'm going, I can take everything that I've experienced and, and infuse that and in how I move onward. Um, as you talk about that openness, that willingness and that openness. And one of the parts I love so much 
is about the way that you talk about that with regards to the way that we frame our failure and almost being willing to reframe our failure, being open to looking at failure differently. I don't know that we have a single listener who hasn't experienced failure or feeling like a failure or who's constantly battling with that every day and what, what they're going through. Um, share some insights with us on what failure looks like to you and, and how it's served you well to frame it intentionally. I think that failure can be one of the most shameful feelings that we all feel that then just totally stops us. It makes us feel, at least me, I'm not enough. I'm not doing good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. Why am I even trying? It's too hard. I'm too this or that. And those stories that we tell ourselves literally can change the whole trajectory of our life because we start giving in to what we believe of I'm a, I'm a failure, so what's the point? Yep. For me, learning how to reframe those thoughts has been the key for me to keep moving forward. One of the things that I've realized is that I believe, and I think a lot of women believe this, that failure is a reflection of who I am. Mm-hmm. That that's one of those lies that failure teaches us. And so as I as I've gone through this process in myself and trying to learn how to reframe, I, I something I started telling myself was failure is something that happens to you. It isn't you. You can't be a failure. So therefore you aren't a failure. Mm-hmm. And it's not a reflection of you. If anything, it's a reflection of how brave you are to keep showing up in a world that you don't know what's going to happen next and you don't know what, what the end is going to be, but that, that's not someone who looks like a failure to me, someone who keeps trying again. How could that ever be a failure? So when I reframe my thoughts around that, um, it helps me start viewing what I'm doing differently so that I can have new conversations in my head and stop spiraling um, there because I think Failure and the fear of failure are really one of the biggest things that keep us stuck where we are. Or even keep us miserable, even if we're moving forward. I'm sorry, not to make this all about me, but like, (laughs) amen and hallelujah. I'm good at the moving forward part, but I'm not as good. I've had to work really hard at the like being a little bit miserable in the moving forward because of perceived failure or because of no matter what I do, no matter what I accomplish, it will never compensate for what I used to internalize that I lacked. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes. And so it, man, you guys get this book, like for the love of all that is holy, I promise. <laughs> um, it, there's just so much for every single human being on the face of the planet. Well, Ashley, yeah, you've, you've had a lot of experience, you know, for example, the, the last the first book that you did and that the tour that you did, which Becky and I both attended, Mm -hmm. um, when you were in our pocket of the world in Arizona. Um, and there, there was, again, just like reading this book, I felt that feeling of everyone who was there was feeling something that was really personal for them because everyone's experiences and traumas are very different. What have you experienced in meeting with women and, and having lots of conversation with women from all over the world? Where do you feel like a lot of us are feeling stuck in life? Does it just look completely different for everybody? Or do you feel like there's a common theme in the way that people are feeling stuck? Because stuckedness... Is that the right word? Do you like that? Good word and also a great question, Beck. Stuckedness is um, definitely a theme 
That's what, Ashley, I feel like part of your goal with the book is helping women in particular to get unstuck if they feel stuck. And I, and I think it's an interesting word because I, I've experienced it, but I don't feel it now. I don't feel stuck now, and yet I felt how that was resonating with people. But what's, what's been your experience with other people's um, stuckness? <laughs> this is such a good question, and, and you're right. I've learned through talking with a lot of women that even though the details of our experiences are so different... Yeah. The feelings that we share are the same. And one of the biggest feelings that I've seen that so many of us share is the feeling of being stuck, whether that's stuck in a job, whether that's stuck at home, whether that's stuck in your fear or just truly not knowing what happens next in your life. And I think that the underlying uh, feeling for being stuck is feeling fear. And we start paralyzing ourselves because we're we're too afraid to move forward in whatever direction. So we 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 feel stuck. I don't believe that anyone anyone actually is stuck. I believe that stuckedness is a lack of forward movement. And when we don't have clarity on what we want to be doing next in our lives, it feels like we're in the mud. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the word clarity and the word freedom really. I use those two words because they really feel um, so. Wow, what's the parallel for e- to each other? Absolutely. That if we can if we can work through those areas that we feel stuck in our lives and get clarity, it then uncovers a path of freedom to move, freedom mm-hmm. to find joy, freedom to succeed, freedom to even if we're afraid to keep moving forward in it because we know that wherever we are wherever we are isn't where we have to stay forever mm-hmm. um so clarity and freedom seeking after those two things has what is what has helped me the most to get unstuck. Mm -hmm. Oh, amen and hallelujah. Mm -hmm. You guys, there is no bell curve of suffering. Like I've had people after, you know, I speak or they hear something, well, I've never had that trial that you've had, or I've never, you know, I've never experienced what it's like to lose a child, but I've experienced things that Ashley hasn't. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people feel like they don't, they can't take ownership over their pain because they feel like it's not valid. Hmm. They feel like it's not enough. Like, right. If I haven't lost somebody or suffered through cancer or these very horrific visual things that we see people endure, we almost feel like our pain isn't valid. And I think that gets us stuck. I think sometimes too, and in the work that I do, I see this a lot is sometimes you're moving forward or you're achieving and you're still stuck because you don't have clarity. Like clarity Mm -hmm. is that key that makes the forward momentum productive right? Because you very easily can get stuck in that cycle of producing and external validation and all those things. And still like stuck is in your stuck might not be physically stuck. Stuck is very much a a psychological and emotional state of being. Okay. So what's a person to do if they get stuck? You guys again, buy the book, but (laughs) there's one part I wanted to highlight. You go through such a beautiful articulation of I am statements And I wanted you to talk us through that. And then particularly one that just sends shivers down my spine is I am the rainbow. Can you kind of, kind of talk us through all that? Yeah. So let me, let me start here. When I was feeling really stuck and really afraid on how to move forward in my life after we lost our older two kids, I I literally didn't know how to piece life back together. And so I decided that in the mornings I was dedicating time 
for meditation, for prayer, for figuring out who am I, Mm -hmm. what am I doing in my life? And through that, over the course of six months, five questions came to me, which now um, I do for a daily, my daily routine. But one of the questions in, in those five questions is I am worthy because, and and fill in the blank. For me, that's where my I am statements started coming from because as I was trying to move forward in this life, if I would start making a move forward, I started feeling really guilty. Like, oh, what what type of mom who's just lost her kids allows herself to find joy or Mm. to be successful again? Or the guilt of everything just kept really draining me and and, and chaining me to the Mm. past events that had happened. So as I started asking myself, why am I worthy? And at first I started saying things like, well, I'm worthy because I was a good mom or I'm worthy because I'm a good wife or I'm worthy because I have this business or just all these external things. Mm -hmm. And one day, it it took me a couple months to get here, but one day on my paper, I answered the question, why am I worthy? And I just wrote, I am because I am. Mm Because I breathe air and exist and I'm here and was created by a loving God. I am worthy because I am. Mm -hmm. And that moment for me helped me shift my thoughts in a way that I wanted to uncover, well, what else am I? Like, who else am I? What am I just because inherently that's who I am? And so then I started really trying to discover okay, what, what are these I am statements that feel true to me and can help me get out of these negative thoughts in my head? Something that happens um, when a, a woman goes through miscarriage, and there's such good intention behind this, and so I want to start by saying that. Um, and I hope that our rainbow baby does come someday. But a lot of times when when someone loses their baby... A lot of people say, don't worry, your, your rainbow baby's coming or praying mm-hmm. for your rainbow baby to come. And, and so after I had my miscarriage last year and I kept hearing that, I kept thinking, oh, is that the only way? Like, is that the only way that the storm in my life feels like it's going to end? Or is that the only way I can find the rainbow? Or like, what does that mean for the rest of my life if that's not my reality? And I was talking to a mentor about it one day who was helping me heal in a lot of different areas of my life. And she she said something that just changed my whole outlook on everything. She said, Ashley, what if you are the rainbow and your pain is in inviting you to go inside deeper to uncover who it is that you really are? What if those colors that you're looking for and the beautiful pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and, and all of its beauty what if it's you? What if it's already inside of you and now you are learning how to uncover it? One of the I am statements that I started then saying is, I am the rainbow. Mm -hmm. I'm the rainbow. I'm that gift at the end of the storm that's waiting for me to uncover. I don't have to wait until this happens or this happens or, or this other thing happens. The rainbow can come right now because it's here inside of me. So now what's would support me in uncovering that so that I can see 
those colors start coming to life. Isn't that the most beautiful thing? And the thing I love the most about it is you uncovering that rainbow is not dependent on the circumstances in your life being yeah. a certain way. It's not dependent on a an outcome that you want or an expected outcome that you want. It mm-hmm. literally is something, that rainbow inside of all of us, there is literally nothing holding us back from beginning that very special and sacred work of uncovering that rainbow. And there's That's nothing more you need everyone. to do either. You don't have to do anything else than you're already doing to become more worthy, period. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I, actually, I remember where I was when I listened to that audio part of the book, because I agree, Becky, it, it felt very, there's so much truth in that. And we all I would agree that we hope that everyone can realize that about themselves. I also remember where I was when, um, with the part of the book that was su- super profound for me, um, <clears throat> it's less deep and heavy and more like, Oh, how have I not tried this before? But it's, you're, you're speaking of daily intentions and intentions in general. I like to think of myself as a very intentional person. I really do, but I had never actually put into practice a daily intention. I'd never, uh, I have a daily list. I have a daily, don't we all, I mean, everyone does, right? Yeah. But I, I focused, um, historically so much on my to do's less on my to be's and I've been trying to work on that. And so when you, when you spoke about your daily intentions, that was actually one of my actionable takeaways from the book that I put into practice immediately. I can show you the notes section on my phone and I decided I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a, an intention for my entire life. Like you guided us through in the book. Um, and I, and I came up with it pretty quickly. And then I decided that everything that I would set for my daily intention from then, which I've been doing consistently every day since I finished the book, it, it has to point back to the main intention. I don't remember if you talked about that or not, but I'm like, but that makes sense. Right. And so I just want to thank you for inspiring that because it actually has made a profound impact on my daily life in a way that's very different than not having that. And I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to kind of speak to with regards to intentions and how it's had an impact on you, but it's, for me, it's, it's actually a really big deal. It changes the way I make little decisions in my day. Well, and before I want to hear all that Ashley has to say about it, but I think sometimes we go through the motion of creating intentions without the clarity. And again, Hmm. if you don't have that, if you don't have the like higher why to run it through, you're going to be very, very busy. And I think in in the book, you use the example of being on a hamster wheel, but never going anywhere, Mm -hmm. right? Like you become very busy and very intentioned with things that may or may not be bringing you to your higher purpose or your higher feeling of peace and clarity. Totally. Thank you for sharing that with me because that gets me really, that gets me so excited to hear that that's helpful to you because setting a daily intention for me is what started making me feel like I was moving somewhere. Mm. And with setting our intentions, and you know, we can hear this word a lot thrown out out there. So to clarify what an intention is, an, an intention is really something that keeps you on a path that you know where you're going. And it allows me to know what to say yes to, what to say no to, where to put my energy behind. Because in this world that there's so much competing for our attention, that if we don't have an intention of how we're going to show up in it and and really what's going to point us back to our what it is that we're wanting in our life, I think that's when we 
start feeling like we're not clear on where we're wanting to go because there's so many options mm-hmm. to choose from every day. Yeah, that aren't necessarily leading us anywhere closer to to what's going to make us feel good. So setting an intention, I set an intention every year and then every quarter and then I break it down into every day and like like you were saying Becky, uh Every intention I make in my day goes back to my overarching Mm -hmm. intention for my year or for my life because, again, it's the little movements, it's the constant movement forward that Mm -hmm. allows us to end up where we're wanting to go. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm grateful for that. I just want to sit and like share my list with you on a show. <laughs> we'll do I that want all. to see we'll it. Do that. I will. After we stop recording, I'll share all the things with you. I don't want to take up the airtime when we've got you sitting in front of a microphone. But um, I wanted to ask you also with, with writing the book, if there was any part of it that surprised you, like any part of your experience um, in writing the book where you're like, oh, I just, I didn't even know I was going to you know, extract that, um, light from the experience or put that in the book. Was there anything like that for you? I think there were a lot of moments like that. (laughs) Um, cool. There were a lot of, there were a lot of moments like that. Uh, specifically one of the chapters is the whole first part of the book is about how to reframe your thoughts. And so every chapter says something like, well, what if it's not fear? What if it's love? Um, but the chapter that really struck me was, what if it's not anger? What if it's passion? Mm, I love that. And, you know, as a woman, I've been told a lot of times when I've used my voice to speak up for some things that I'm just angry or I need, I need to calm down or mm-hmm. I just, I need to, mm-hmm. you know, I need to calm down. Right. Um, and that's, I've always been like, man, why can't I express, why can't I? Mm-hmm. Why is it not okay for me to express yeah, myself this in this problem? way? Yeah, why is this a problem? Right, it shouldn't right. be a problem. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was writing that chapter and reframing it to, well, what if it's passion? What if the things that we're angry about are also actually the things that we're very passionate about that can give us clarity and purpose in our lives because they help us come to life? And so as I kept, as I was making that connection in that, particular chapter, um, that opened up a lot of ideas <laughs> and well, space for me to be okay with being angry. It did not just ideas, but also experiences. I, I, I can almost see the way your wheels were spinning back to prior things that you went through, like, like working with the kids, right. And helping the kids and getting so frustrated with how the system was failing them. And, you know, things like that, that brought you to a place of, of, where some people might have viewed it as, well, Ashley's angry and Ashley's like, you know, on fire about this. You were like, and for good reason. And so I'm going to use my voice to make a change here, which of course you did. And so I just think that's profound when we can look at those experiences. And I love the way you named those chapters. What if it's this instead of this? What if it's this instead of that? Like, it's just so, so enlightening. I totally agree with you, Becky. That story so impactful. And, and what Becky's referring to is a part in the book where Ashley is sharing about kind of um, founding the Shine Project and where that came from. So give us a little bit of backstory about where the Shine Project even came from to begin with, because it really was born from this place of anger and no, passion, passion, right? Yes. Like, yes, passion. You got angry and then said passion and the passions, what took you for it. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I was interning at a inner city high school in Phoenix. And while I was there, I saw that there were a lot of a lack of resources mm-hmm. and a lot of the students 
were so bright and full of things that they wanted to do and colleges they wanted to explore, but there weren't a lot of resources to get them to that next step. A lot of them were first would be first generation college students and and that's a really hard world to navigate. Uh, there were just a, there were a lot of things. There were a lot of roadblocks in the way. And and one of the students that I loved and really connected with, I realized he was missing school a lot. And and I realized it's because he didn't have money to get on the bus, and he was helping uh, care for his younger siblings. And that was one of those moments where I became very passionate about helping first generation college students find a path forward so that they can reach that next step in their life after mm-hmm. high school. And that's where the product side of the Shine Project started, is started teaching them how to hand make jewelry to be paid um, that we would sell to my online community. And then we started a nonprofit from there also to work hand in hand so they could have a job and then also have help receiving college scholarships. So cool. And you were able to raise, what was it seven scholarships? Is that that first batch? Yeah, that first semester, uh, seven scholarships. And then we went on from there for the next, we did that for about six years. Wow. That's incredible. Can you imagine the amount of lives touched just from that passion? Yep. From seeing That's what that I was need. thinking. Like that, oh. just the origins of that place of passion. And I don't think any of us can, or I, I, let me say that differently. I think all of us can relate to something that we have felt fired up about. And I love the way that Ashley is guiding us through the thought of like, don't, you don't have to think of yourself as an angry person because that's not what it is. What if it's passion? And let's take that passion and do something with it. It's just another one of those principles, Ashley, of so many that the book is just packed with that really bring it back to being present and really showing up and getting unstuck and moving forward in the most beautiful, intentional way. Um, you share with people where they can find the book and where they can connect with you online as well. Yes. You can find I Am Here wherever books are sold. It's available now, so you can That's go and amazing. grab it. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> and then I love our online community on Instagram. Uh, so you can come connect with me there at Ashley K. Lemieux. Also, she has a podcast. Tell them about the podcast. We have a podcast. It's called the I Am Podcast. Uh, Yeah, that's fun. I love hanging out over there where we can talk in longer, you know, have longer Mm -hmm. conversations like this. That's the best. It's so fun. I wanted to encourage you. um, This is a book, having, you know, listened to the audio and held the physical book. Our podcasters love a good audio book, right? So definitely get the audio, okay? but you also want the physical copy. Mm -hmm. You really do. There's charts and diagrams and Ashley walks you through just not these deeply impactful stories and experiences, but actionable takeaways that you can take away to implement in your life. Clarity mapping is, is one that I think everyone is going to really, really love. So just putting that plug out there to get both, Mm -hmm. get both the physical and the audio copy. You guys will love it. And Ashley, we've loved our time with you. Thank you for inspiring us through your words, through your work, through your example, through the light that you share. And I, I just feel, I feel a little lighter and more joyful having read your words and the way that you frame things because it gives me so much to ponder. And so we're just really grateful. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You guys are seriously the kindest, best humans ever. She so doesn't really thank know us you. yet, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, They're friends. as good as they seem. <laughs> yeah. I promise. Thank you. That's sweet. And friends, we thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.